All right, welcome back for uh, another week of the Hardware Podcast. Uh, we took a week off due to you know some holiday situations. Uh, not for me because I was stuck here, but for uh, my friend Jackson. So uh, how we how we doing? <laughs> Sorry for enjoying my uh, my time not being in prison. So yeah, uh, <laughs> I like some people. Yeah, you know, not going to mention any names, but it wasn't too bad. There was some nice football on this week. Sadly, no San Jose State, uh, Boise State, which absolutely devastated me. <laughs> it, it hurt. It and we're hurt. finally concluding uh, the Thanksgiving Day NFL games with uh, Baltimore-Pittsburgh. I, I was going to say tonight. It's actually at like 3 o'clock Eastern time. Yeah, Wednesday afternoon. Uh, lighting on NBC. Yeah. yeah. It was a weird event. Yeah, it, it was a step back to um, the post-merger um, mid-2000s to the mid-2000s norm of only two games. You know, I know I know all the old heads coming out saying, like, this is the way it should be, just the Lions and the Cowboys on Thanksgiving. <laughs> right. You got to have at least one, like, decent game on Thanksgiving Day, I feel like. Yeah. Just, just that's all we're asking for. But, but a fun point uh, I want to point out, Jackson, uh, before we get into our, our main topic is, like, um, you know, when the AFL and the NFL had their, like, wars, like, uh, before the merger, or, like, from 66 to 1969, there was a plethora of games for, for football fans to choose from. As uh, NBC had two games, um, they had their own doubleheader with the AFL, and yeah. they had two games as well, and then you had um, ABC broadcasting a college game. So, like, Thanksgiving used to be heaven. You know, I'd love to – I mean, for yeah, it used to be great. other reasons, I wouldn't want to go back to the 60s, but, uh, you know, that, that makes that, – <laughs> Right reason to go back to the 60s for me. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And, uh, hey, Christmas Day football is back as of now. Oh, so, yes, sir. Yes, sir. That'll be great. Only Christmas is without it. Oh, exactly. Yeah. I agree. Like, only thing that's yeah. missing is uh, Brent Musburger, you know, calling, uh, just like he used to call the Aloha Bowl back on Christmas Day. But uh, we'll settle for hopefully Joe's yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> hopefully so. Man, it, if uh, who was it? AJ McCarron hadn't had such an attractive girlfriend, maybe we would still be able to oh, get. Yeah. So, hey, yeah. well, if, <laughs> if you're a Raiders fan, you hear Brett Musburger every week, you know, which which is reason enough. For That's me. true. I forgot about that. He does call the the Vegas Raiders games. That's it's interesting. Weird. It's really weird, actually. Topic, I guess we'll go ahead and get into the the Birmingham Bowl. Oh yeah. Um, Oh, yeah. Uh, well, I guess our main point of topic, uh, we have uh, Jarrett Patterson um, this week. I'm not sure if you guys saw it in noon. You might have been watching Big Noon Kickoff or uh, Michigan play Penn State in the noon ABC slot for whatever reason that was. Uh, Jarrett Patterson <laughs> ran for 409 yards and eight touchdowns in, uh, against Kent State in an important game of the MAC East. Uh, and we, like, we, we think that that's enough to – really put him in the Heisen race. Because not just that game alone, but he's had probably one of the most dominant two-game stretches ever where he's had 700 rushing yards because he ran for 301 last week um, or the week before and four touchdowns. So that's 700, over 700 yards and 12 touchdowns. So Jackson, just based off that alone, he has 900 rushing yards in five games. Uh, do you think that puts Jarrett Patterson squarely in the Heisen race? Um, I I think it should put him in the Heisman race. Um, I, I think it should put him, like, in that conversation just because what college player has done more in a two-game stretch with 700 yards and 
12 touchdowns as a running back. I don't care who you're playing. That's, um, that's impressive to do. Uh, and anytime you tie a record as big as uh, eight touchdowns, which is a college football, uh, CFB, uh, FBS record, I should say, um, anytime you tie something like that should put you in the conversation. Is he going to win the Heisman? No. But is he, is he in the conversation? He should be because that's uh, what player is doing more. We haven't seen a, per, a two-game performance like this. And I, I don't know, maybe ever. I'm not, I'm not totally sure. Like, that's just insane as a running back. Yeah, I'd have to agree um, for sure this year as well. And something I, I want to ask along with that is, do you think there should be a sort of, like, position requirement for finalists for the Heisman? where we have at least maybe one non-quarterback offensive player per, per year in the, as a finalist and maybe one defensive player. Uh, I just want to know your thoughts on, like, maybe – because looking at it this year, all the Heisman finalists look to be quarterbacks before Patterson's two-game stretch, right. um, whether it be, like, Lawrence, Fields. Maybe, maybe Fields less so now that he's played fewer games. Uh, and also, let's see, who else? I was thinking maybe, like – oh, yeah, of course, Trask. Can't forget about your boy Kyle Trask. Right. Maybe for like all quarterbacks, literally. Um, well, I think there's a couple things to consider. One, I do not think it should be forced if there's not a defensive player that really stands above the rest like there was with uh, Chase Young last year at Ohio State. Then they shouldn't be in the conversation. Like, I don't think we should force distribute it between different positions. I also think that maybe you should take into account of how much more difficult, maybe not physically, but at least mentally it is to play quarterback compared to some of these positions. Um, Chase Young was a brilliant guy last year. Uh, Jarek Patterson clearly has excellent vision, is a smart guy if he can run for that many touchdowns uh, in two games. But I think there is uh, – are we talking like comparatively at your position? Like you're that much better? Because like Saquon Barkley – uh, the year, I forget if he was a Heisman finalist or not, but he was like well above the rest uh, of all the other running backs in uh, in the FBS and all of college football. So are we talking about like you're just separating yourself from your position group? Or are we kind of going to acknowledge that difference of the level of talent that it takes to play quarterback uh, and that it takes a, a, it's a little bit harder to play that than other positions, in my opinion, at least. Yeah, I think um, I agree with your point. Uh, for, as for me, I'm old fashioned. I like I think running backs. I wish for running backs to remain as relevant as they have been in you know prior years in football. Right. But you know, if we do that, it becomes a formality and not so much um, you know someone that's deserving. Like before Patterson would have um, you know bro before Patterson broke out, uh, sort of like the guy that we would have put. I think um, as a finalist for like non uh, quarterback positions would have been a uh, Travis Etienne. And that even then would have been more of an yeah. achievement, um, not really for much what he's done this year, especially against Notre Dame when he got shut down uh, but, uh, with uh, less than 100 yards. Right. No, I agree. And um, uh, this is kind of a conversation. We're going to put Jared Patterson in the, uh, in the Heisman mix. So I think he should. Are we going to put him above or below Brees Hall? who has not had as good uh, as number of games, I guess. He hasn't played at this level, obviously, but uh, against tougher competition, more consistent throughout. Put him above. Jared Patterson, he's had insane back-to-back -back weeks, but he did have 
one game below 100 yards. So do I you think, do uh, for in that? I don't know. That's a tough question. I didn't consider Brees Hall. I think uh, Brees Hall would be, I want to say below, but then again, you have like the the story that Iowa State is in, um, you know, pretty much making right, the right. title game unless chaos happens. Um, fingers. No one was looking at Iowa State to be that. It was going to be all Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. Yeah. They've really into that. So. Yeah, I think, it's, I think it's tough to say. Um, I might give the edge to Brees Hall if only okay. because he's been a little bit more consistent, uh, which is what you want to look for. Uh, I think that's a lot of why the Justin Fields talk has been down a lot lately because he had that three interception game against Indiana. Um, and then also, I mean, he's playing tough competition. He's playing alongside better players overall. But um, – I think he's just playing tougher competition. But at the end of the day, Jarrett Patterson is showing, like, a higher ceiling. So it's really – there's just so many facets of this conversation. It's really a lot to consider. Yeah, like, I, I totally agree. Um, I mean, except, like, for me, I, you know, I'm a group of five guy. Um, like, I think, I think uh, that's a better prevailing story, especially, like, Brees Hall. He's been, like, consistent, but, like, nothing, like, otherworldly. I'll have to check his game log again. But right. He's at a thousand yards in nine games, but like four hundred game fall by or following a three hundred yard performance, like that's I think that trumps anything that you know, like a, a season like Brees Hall has done. Yeah, no, that, that's a good point. It's I can go both ways on this. Like, there's good arguments for both. I mean, eight touchdowns as a running back in one game. Like, it's almost like we should just forget everything else and just talk about that because that's just such an insane performance. But it's just there's so many things to consider. Yeah, and considering the last guy to do it, the eight touchdowns, uh, that was Kalen Blage, I think. Um, I think he had nine touchdowns responsible for in their game against uh, – I'm going to look that up really quick. It was a game against Texas Tech, of course, uh, during the Cliff Kingsbury years with no defense. Um, but he had eight touchdowns, I think. I'm not sure if it was seven uh, – rushing and one passing. I know he had a passing one down there, but um, yeah, it was seven on the ground and one through the air. So it, that tied the record, but he only did that on 137 yards and 13 carries. And of course, like, you know, the passing touchdown. So, I mean, that was more like, you know, volume stats where like you're, you're close to the goal line. I have to, I'll have to do a more complex like statistical analysis looking at where his touchdowns were in the field, but it wasn't just like as dominant simply as a, uh, Jared Patterson, considering who they're playing, uh, Dustin Crum and Kent State, like they put up points. I'm, I mean, I, I'm not sure if you guys watched the wagon wheel game this year, but uh, I, I mean, I forget how many points Kent State dropped in Akron. It, it was in the 60s, though. It was insane. Um, like just to have the firepower to overcome that uh, powerful offense, I think was really impressive alone. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. Um... It's just an insane performance, and I'm glad that we're talking about it because I had, it sounded kind of familiar. Um, Jared Patterson, I couldn't tell you they played for Buffalo. I feel like I heard something about him but didn't really know about it, so I'm glad we're kind of bringing attention to this because this deserves to be talked about. Talked about. I don't care if, it could, if it's against, like, Bowling Green State and Kent State. Like, it's insane. And uh, I know he's getting draft consideration as well with all of this. Yeah, so uh, just looking at the history of, um, you know, Mac, uh, Heisman, I guess I wouldn't say, I'd say candidates. Um, the only guys that have really been finalists are uh, Randy Moss and Chad Pennington. 
during Marshall's, you know, glory years. Like uh, Randy Moss, we all know about that dominant year where uh, they had the undefeated regular season, and Randy Moss had 1,820 receiving yards and 26 touchdowns. And then two years later, Pennington had uh, 3,799 passing yards and 37 touchdowns on a 13-0 Marshall team. Uh, also two touchdowns rushing, which, I mean, that also adds to it. It's not much. But uh, beforehand, um, there were only three guys to uh, receive votes. In 71, you had Chuck Ely, who's a – if you don't know about Chuck Ely, he's a, the Mac equivalent to a Condridge Holloway for, um, you know, my Tennessee fans. Uh, really a trailblazer, a, a great black quarterback um, in the late 60s for some for a Toledo, for Toledo teams that won 35 games in a row. Uh, like he had 1,821 passing yards, 15 touchdowns, 423 rushing yards, and six touchdowns in 71, early dual threat. The same thing applied for Gene Swick. Um, well, not a black quarterback, that is, but a dual threat in an age where it was, like, kind of rare where Swick had, he swung the ball around 2,487 passing yards and 15 touchdowns and 219 rushing yards and eight touchdowns. And interestingly enough, that Toledo team was uh, five and six. And after that, we had Brian McClure uh, from Bowling Green in 1986 on a 10-1 Bowling Green team. So uh, I guess that team caught some national headlines for how good they were. They ended up going to the California Raisin Bowl uh, against the Big West or then the Pacific Coast Athletic Association, I think, PCAA champion in that game. But McClure swung the ball around two, 2,674 yards, 18 touchdowns. And we mentioned Pennington and Moss. And then in 2012 and 2013, we had Jordan Lynch. Um, Masha, do you remember Jordan Lynch, uh, Jackson, from North Illinois? Uh, I do not. No, oh, I, I, I do not recall Jordan. Yeah, well, he took uh, he took those Northern Illinois Huskers, that 2012 Huskies team, to the Orange Bowl. And uh, he had a better year in 2012 when he ended up seventh in the Heisman discussion. And that's the year they went to the Orange Bowl with uh, 3,100, over 3,100 passing yards, excuse me, 25 passing touchdowns, 1,800 rushing yards, 19 touchdowns. He also had two punts for a 57.5 yard average. So I'll try that on for size for a triple threat. The next year, he ended up third, actually ended up in New York. First guy to do so since uh, Randy Moss. And he had 1,920 rushing yards. Would have been 2,000 if Utah State didn't shut him down in the 2013 point set He uh, had 23 rushing touchdowns as well as uh, 24 passing touchdowns and uh, two punts for 52 yards. So not so good punting the ball that year. But uh, this is where Jared Patterson stands historically. Do you see a – where do you see Jared Patterson finishing voting-wise if he gets votes? All right. Yeah, that's a good point, man. Like, with Jared Patterson, I think he needs – because the last two games against Kent State and Bowling Green State, those were his only two games over 200 yards, right? So he needs at least one more game, I think, with 250 yards, three or four touchdowns, something like in another outstanding game. And then unless Kyle Trask or Mac Jones have, like, just an insane SEC championship game performance, there's not going to be a clear front runner like there was with Joe Burrow last year where you, like, have to vote Burrow. So why not? I think Jared Patterson does get a handful of votes. Um, I think if he scores seven touchdowns against Kent State, he wouldn't just because he wouldn't have that, uh, that resume of tying in uh, college football uh, FBS record. But, I mean, why not, you know? I think, I think he does get one or two votes out there. There's so many Heisman voters. I think someone's bound to vote for him if he just has one more outstanding game. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with you. And Like, you look at, I mean, 
this Heisman race kind of lacks depth. Like, he got Mac Jones and uh, Kyle Trask up top, but Justin Fields hasn't played enough, and he hasn't been impressive when he's played. Right. For Lawrence, you can say the same thing about not playing enough for him. Um, even though I think Clemson's got two games left and they're at, are they at 7-0 or 8-0? But either way, he's missed two games. Um, so I think this, this race just lacks depth. So um, we can, we'll have to like put Patterson in, I think, uh, just to add to, because I don't think it's, I, I think it's a two-man race, Jones and uh, Trash. Yeah. So why not add Patterson, like you said? So, um, yeah, no, on, I agree. Why not Patterson? Sorry about that. Um, moving on to, um, I guess, bowl, bowl matchups, since this is an added element here, I mean, uncharted territory in the Heisman race, uh, looking at Patterson's bowl, like the Mac options for bowl matchups, and there are many enticing options to say the least. And, um, you know, I kind of say that from a narrow-minded perspective. It, there aren't many Power 5 matchups available, uh, or there's none at all, actually. The Mac had one Power 5 matchup in, bowl game, in a bowl game, and that was a quick lane bowl, which was canceled this year. And the choices, um, the MAC has, and the Pac-12 have been hit the hardest in terms of bowl cancellations, to say, to say the least. So for the MAC, the bowl options are the Potato Bowl against Mountain West, the Arizona Bowl against the Mountain West as well, followed by two appearances from the following list of bowls, the Boca Raton Bowl, the Camellia Bowl, uh, the Cure Bowl, the Frisco Bowl, and the Mobile Alabama Bowl, the Myrtle Beach Bowl, and the New Mexico turned Frisco Bowl this year. Uh, so, like, do you have any thoughts about, I think, I think for me, looking at these bowl matchups, the way, uh, you know, I've written it up, and I know I've shared this with you, so hopefully the, the fever dream bowl matchup for the group of five is Coastal Carolina Marshall in the Cure Bowl, or even, like, Louisiana Lafayette Marshall, or Louisiana, sorry, I don't want to anger my Sun Belt fans here, especially Louisiana, <laughs> that are the University of Louisiana. Um, but that's, that's the fever dream bowl in the Cure Bowl, so I doubt, um, I doubt that Buffalo gets in that one. Uh, the Camellia Bowl on Christmas Day looks like an enticing one because it's Christmas, a little bit of Christmas magic there. Only game on the day as well. That's the same thing for the New Mexico Bowl as a Christmas Eve afternoon. A little bit of Jarrett Patterson Christmas magic in a bowl game. Um, but against the Mountain West could have happened there. Uh, I think for me, though, um, those two, along with either the Arizona or the Potato Bowl, are the ones that could help us profile the most bowl-wise because um, – I can see Boise State being in the Potato Bowl just because of one COVID and two. Um, I don't think any bowls are going to leap to get Boise State in their bowl, like just to get them to travel far. So why not put Boise State in the Potato Bowl? But that one is a conflict because uh, that's on the 21st, two days after the MAC title game. So that one's not likely to happen. The other one looks like the Arizona Bowl on New Year's Eve in Tucson, uh, which could be against. Um, the third place team in the or the second place team, excuse me, or the champion, whatever, um, San Jose, which could be San Jose State, uh, still undefeated, the only undefeated team, believe it or not, in the Mountain West. Who would have thought? Um, or or even Boise State or Nevada. Those three teams uh, could see themselves in the Arizona Bowl on that day. So, do you see any of these possible bowl matchups helping out his profile for uh, the Heisman? Since that's I guess an added factor in voting now. Um, yeah, I do. It sounds like uh, they're all going to happen, um, or at least the majority of these bowls are going to happen before Christmas Eve, which is when the finalists are announced on, uh, on ESPN. So, I, I, yeah, I mean, if he shows up against uh, a tougher competition in a bowl game, 
or uh, maybe not even tougher, but uh, on a against competition that's on like televised TV that everyone watches. You know, I know they're I know his games are televised, but I mean, whenever it's a bowl matchup, it doesn't matter who's playing up. There's a bowl matchup on. I think a lot of people watch it. So um, if he can just show out in a bowl game, it happens to be before Christmas Eve. Yeah, it could absolutely help him out. Yeah, like I totally agree. And I say keep in mind with uh, it's a good point that you brought that the, on Christmas Eve, the finalists are announced um, because the Mac title games on the 18th, a little bit of Friday night action, And uh, some of them, like a lot of the Max bowls are before then. So it just depends on like, is Buffalo willing to accept a, you know, a quick turnaround, which I don't think they would be, which then leaves probably their most enticing options, uh, bowl wise. Yeah, that's a good point. The Arizona Bowl and, uh, you know, the, as I mentioned earlier, the Camellia Bowl, which is a week after on, um, on Christmas Day, uh, you know, against the Sun Belt. I think that the Camellia Bowl is against the Sun Belt team, most likely. So we could see him against App State. You know, sort of a brand name in the group of five, but I don't really think enough to really move needles. Uh, an interesting possibility, though, is the Boca Raton Bowl, but that one's on the 22nd. It's unlikely. Um, I mean, of course, if Buffalo somehow finds a way to, you know, not win the MAC down the stretch, not win the MAC East down the stretch and not be in the title game, um, that one, they could, he could find himself against an American school, whether it be like Memphis, even UCF. So we get like Dylan Gabriel slinging the ball around for the Knights versus uh, Jared Patterson toting the rock. Um, just, you know, just some options that we've never seen before. Uh, again, I think we're both purists in terms of the Heisman race, meaning that these bowls shouldn't be accounted for, but it would be interesting to see uh, for him because it's an uphill battle with three to five bowls. Right, it is. It is. Um, hopefully they get – it doesn't sound like you're, you're right if they do go to that MAC championship game. It seems like they will. Uh, there's not really a chance that uh, they have a quick turnaround. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if he can somehow get himself on the map before Christmas Eve, even without that, and then, uh, and then hey, who knows, crazier things have happened. So if he can, if he can somehow be in that virtual, uh, that virtual room. <laughs> so all they do is send him the Zoom link. It's not too hard. So why not make him a finalist? <laughs> Yeah, no, I totally agree. I mean, I guess out of these options mentioned, like, which uh, which do you think is the best bowl option for Patterson's um, footprint? I mean, I know it's like a plethora of options, which is like sort of like a new pattern where like you not you're not they're not really tied to conference times directly, but they pick them a pool of conferences rather. Right, right. Um, a Gasparilla Bowl, that was one of the options, right? Like that would be really, that um, would be interesting. For Christmas Day. Oh yeah, that's that, that's a Camellia Bowl on Christmas Day. Uh, oh, Camellia Bowl. Sorry, yeah, that's, right. That's what I meant. Yeah, uh, Camellia Bowl. Yeah, Camellia Bowl. That uh, on Christmas Day, there's going to be a lot of viewers for that. Um, I'm I'm sure he could help out his campaign a lot there. Yeah, like for me, you know, huge fan of Christmas Day football, but I know like a lot of people view uh, Christmas Day as the NBA's. Um, so can, oh, can, yeah. can Jared Patterson beat the NBA? You know, that'll be an interesting question for sure. If the NBA is his toughest competition, that might be, that might be kind of tough. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Totally. I, I think for me, I'm looking forward to that Arizona Bowl because, like, I don't know. I kind of I think that one, like, for me, I, I view the Cure Bowl as a group of five Citrus Bowl out there being in Orlando, you know, the – 
the world's capital, the world's bowl. Right. They got like four million bowls there each year. Uh, and for me, the Arizona Bowl, especially this year with, um, you know, the limited amount of bowls, I guess, available to be group of five. This one looks like the group of five Fiesta Bowl. I mean, for all intents and purposes, we could end up having the MAC champ versus, you know, the Mountain West champ or Mountain West title game participant. You know, it could be a little bit of a, yeah. a flair. And, uh, you know, CBS Sports Network is going to pull out all the stops for, like, their only bowl that they're broadcasting, you know. So, should be interesting to see. Oh, absolutely. We're going to get to listen to Gary Danielson for three and a half more hours. <laughs> you see, I think, I don't, I don't know. Like, he won't yeah. be at the Sun Bowl. He won't be calling the Sun Bowl um, since that one's not going to happen. But I feel like they're going to bring their in-house guys. And CBS Sports Network, they got some good announcers up. Shout out Rich Waltz. I mean, I really like the way that he that he calls games, like his tone of voice. Um, you know, <laughs> right. Watch the uh, Miami FIU. CBS Sports Network is, is surprisingly good. Yeah. Yeah, the production quality is great. Yes. Uh, if you want to listen to um, Rich Waltz call a game, watch the Miami FIU game, or at least highlights from last year in Marlins Park. I think that's Rich Waltz's best call, as well as maybe, don't ask why I know so much about Rich Waltz calls, but um, <laughs> as well as maybe the 2018 or, or yeah, the 2018 uh, Arizona Bowl. Another guy I like on that network is Dave Ryan. I like Dave Ryan a lot. He's a seasoned, uh, seasoned veteran calling games on the network. Absolutely. Uh, I've really enjoyed uh, James Bates, the uh, the ACC network. He's been calling some games. Okay. It's a guy that's on the up and coming. Great job. Okay. Uh, funny guy. I haven't really watched any of his broadcasts. For me, if there's like a guy associated with the ACC, I don't know how we got into this tangent, but if there's a guy associated with the ACC, for me, it's um, Tom Wormy. Um, got, got good voice quality. Uh, I think his most famous call. Oh, yes. Yeah, on the, on the RSNs. I mean, I think his most famous call is the UNC NC State Brawl in the last game of Raycon Sports' syndication. Well, that one's got a special place in my heart because, uh, you know, I love syndication. Right, right. Yeah, you're right. I have no idea how we got onto this, but yeah. That, <laughs> it's fun. Um, it's a fun discussion, you know, favorite now. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, it is. I've got, I've, got, uh, I've got one more question for you. All right, let's hear it. What is, what is the biggest thing? Uh, to happen in the state of Illinois football oh. this week, do you think? Because it was a pretty historical thing that happened within this Illinois. Or not within Illinois, but uh, this week. Off the thing. You got the Bears. You got North You mentioned Northern Illinois earlier. That's what got me thinking about this. Are you talking about I know Northern Illinois is playing Toledo, but that so, can't have much bearing on the standings. Uh, no, so actually, what uh, pretty Southern Illinois University played football there scored. He's a defensive player, and he scored back-to-back touchdowns on defensive what drives. Name? What is his name? Yeah. I didn't like, hear the name. Uh, Jeremy Chin. He's a rookie out of Southern Illinois University for Matt Rule and the Carolina Panthers. Scored back-to-back touchdowns, which is pretty impressive. Was not aware of this. Okay, I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just a little Southern that, – that's Southern Illinois University football right there. So, yeah, it's a <laughs> cool. So, 
that. I just thought that was interesting. So. Yeah, well, I mean, shout out Jeremy Chin as well, along with Rich Waltz, Tom Wormy, and any other broadcasters we mentioned. <laughs> if I don't have, if you don't have anything else, Jackson, I think that seals it for me. I'm all set. Yeah, let's look forward to these uh, these bowl matchups and hope Jarrett Patterson pops off another like seven or eight touchdown game and get him on the Heisman. Oh, Heisman yeah, radar for sure. Um, until next time, you know, let's keep watching these awards and, um, you know, enjoy the, enjoy the college football weekend, you know, uh, before it, it whittles down. Absolutely. So uh, peace, love, and soul, everybody.